Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's OC Office Hour, I wanted to focus on play calling and one of my all-time favorite thinkers on offensive football, he also wrote a ton of material on it, is the late Homer Smith. I've talked about Homer several times on this podcast. He's come up in conversations with other guests, but in this particular episode, we're going to focus on something that he wrote in a book called The Handbook for Coaching the Football Passing Attack. What's interesting is when he wrote this in 1970, a lot of the play calling was being done by the quarterbacks on the field. I have another episode I'll link in the show notes where I shared something from George Allen that was much like this. But this is one I found in going through some of my materials the other day, and I thought it was very applicable to football today. Though this was talking about the quarterback as the signal caller I think this is really a, an outline, a checklist, even a, you could call it a manual for how an offensive coordinator should think about calling the game. And so Coach Allen put together his thoughts on exactly how he would train the quarterback to do this. Later, he mentions the value of calling plays from the sideline. We won't get into that one today. Obviously, that's where this game is. If you think about why, I'm sure it's because we pay offensive coordinators a lot of money to make the calls. But... He also then later goes on to talk about something he envisioned for computers calling the play. That's something I I wrote about in an article. I'll see if I can find that one. I think it was on my old website. If I do, I'll link that one in the show notes as well. But Coach starts off this particular section of his book and saying it is interesting to read the material on signal calling, which came out of the running years. Almost none of the old guides apply to today's fast-moving game. And this is primarily because of advancements in forward passing. How often, for example, does one see a punt on first down or even third down? Today, perhaps the most important of all signal calling rules is to call a play which, if successful, will get the yardage needed. Another one is to systematically destroy all passing tendencies. And most others also lead to high-powered offenses. So in this being written in 1970, in what he felt was a revolution in moving from a ground-based attack to a passing attack, that all these things were applicable, and I still think they are today. So he starts again in talking about the quarterback. A smart quarterback has a head start on his signal-calling problem 
if his attack is organized for easy recall. Now, for us, this is the offensive coordinator and not the quarterback. He continues on, the quarterback learning problem is helped further if he is allowed to call his own plays on the practice field. A big part of the problem of coming up with good plays is being able to bring plays to mind, and this takes mental practice. This is something that Noel Mazzoni and I talked about, something he does in practice where he doesn't script his plays, that he basically has a call-it period during his team periods. Whether you script plays because you want to make sure that you get all of those run over the course of the week and maybe set aside some time for call it, or you do what Noel did and, and going through and tracking and making sure you have a certain amount of plays, uh, reps called for a play, I think there's a lot of value in this. And this was talking about how the quarterback was trained, but as signal callers, as coaches, when our reps are limited to game day, and that's really the only practice we're getting, I don't think we're taking advantage of the time that we have available during the course of the week. So I think there's a big argument to be made that you should find some ways to do call-up periods in practice. He goes on, interesting and valuable scrimmage sessions are had by everyone when the ball is left in a difficult signal-calling situation for a certain number of plays or minutes. Practicing 15 or 20 times in third and two or and four-down territory might teach a quarterback forever the difference between the two types of short-yarded situations, the ones where you cannot afford to lose an inch, and the other where losing two or three yards or even five makes little difference to the fourth-down situation, or practicing with third down and six within field goal range. In a situation where a field goal is needed to teach a quarterback to throw without risking interception or a second and eight situation to teach him to throw without risking an interception or save his chances in making third down and eight situations, get a quarterback in the most difficult situations, leave him there by trial and error, and he will get smart fast. The problem is to have a mental grasp of plays and know what each is capable of doing. So again, that highlights the importance of being able to get your own mental reps, even if it's saying, I'm going to script these in practice, I'm going to script these situations. The mental work then is probably done in your office where you're sitting down and thinking about those plays as you go through the script and knowing where you want to call these on certain areas of the field and certain times of the game, those kinds of things that are rehearsed mentally give you some of those practice reps as well outside of a call it period. Coach Smith continues on, where does one start? Most attacks have basic plays that serve as reference points. If a basic play works, it sets up another play. If it does not work, it indicates that another play call will. Calling the first five or even ten plays in a game is not difficult. The problem is to build intelligently on the first few calls and work the defense into a position where every man is worried about something happening in his area. Actually, anything that works can serve as a basic play or reference point. And Coach diagrams some examples there, but I think that's an important thing. How many times do we see early in a game a great drive orchestrated with those openers, and yet then the offense falters the rest of the game? It's something that A.J. Smith, XFL offensive coordinator, brought up on the podcast when we were talking about really attacking a defense over the course of a game. I'll be sure to link that one in the show notes. Coach goes on, successful plays should be run over and over again 
but not on successive downs. Until the quarterback has four or five plays working for him, he is in danger of getting stopped by one defensive adjustment, and he should take advantage of the easy signal-calling situations to add dimension to his threat. A second and three situation, for example, is a good time to test a new running play. And I agree with all of that, though I think in today's up-tempo world, if you got him in a look you want or personnel grouping that you want to attack, running that same play a few times in a row with tempo could be advantageous because they don't have time to make that adjustment. So in this particular example, he's talking about huddling and doing it, uh, though I think there's the argument made for being able to run that play, maybe you dress it up. The idea, though, really is coming through is don't rely on just one play so they can make an adjustment and stop you, and then you don't have an answer. So I like the idea, too, of trying out that second and three situation for a new run. Good time to test that new run. Kurt Smith goes on, seldom are their best plays for given situations. And it can be restricting a signal caller to worry about finding precisely the best play each time. He should call something, if successful, will get him what he needs. He should come back to his good plays systematically. And he should take account of what the defenders are most worried about. Properly done, signal calling is simple and systematic. Freeing the quarterback, or in this case the offensive coordinator, to concentrate on the execution of his assignment. And the offensive coordinator's assignment simply is to keep calling plays that are working. So we'll jump ahead a little bit because he does spend some time on the quarterback and the quarterback's thought processes. One of the important things in those paragraphs that I left out is that he does say that it's a habitual thought process, that you have to have a way of doing things. In his example for quarterback being the play signaler, he just goes through a specific process. Here's what you do first, here's what you do second, etc. Well, certainly that applies to the offensive coordinator. Maybe that starts with the whole thing in, in knowing what the down and distance is, and that be the only time that somebody else gives you that over the headset. So here's coach's signal calling guidelines. It's also helpful to have some signal calling guides memorized. An attack should have its own, of course, and those listed here are meant to be examples only. So again, this is more about the thought process of things, but I think there's some great points that he brings up that really probably should be part of any thought process. One, do not worry yourself trying to find the best play. Just get yourself into the right category and avoid the bad calls. Two, probe with your basic attack until you get four or five plays working for you. You have very little in the way of signal calling potential until you get four or five things that are working well. I really believe in this part of it. I think if you don't have this, it really becomes a grab bag. Right? You don't understand why you're calling certain things because nothing's fitting together, but when you get those four or five things working that are stressing the defense in certain ways, that one opens another, I think you have a winning formula. Three, do not ever get too far away from basic running plays. The linemen like to feel that they are winning the trench fighting. Also, you need to keep track of which of the basic plays are working best for you. You are going to need them at the last part of a drive. Important points there as well. This is a coach who really 
Love the passing attack. Called the passing attack quite a bit, especially in his time. And he talks about the importance of being able to run the ball. That lineman always like to run the ball. I agree with that as well. And then noting what's working so that you can call those plays in the last part of your drive, right? What do you call when it gets down towards the red zone, the goal line? It's coming back to some of those basic plays. Four, do not necessarily try to keep the ball away from a good defensive lineman. Some of the good ones are more effective on plays directed away from them than ones that are directed right at them. It is good, however, to stay away from a good defensive back. Another important point there, and I think something that has to come out in your analysis of your opponent as you're looking at it. You know, a lot of times it is being able to check away from that defensive end who just gives you all kinds of problems. Uh, But maybe there's times where running at him is the best thing to do. So something to think about there as you plan an attack. Number five, the importance of vertical signal calling area is exaggerated by most coaches. Here are four possible distinctions. The area deep in your own territory where a fumble or interception will result in a touchdown for your opponent. The area where every first down is an important 10 yards added to the other end of a punt. The four down area, which when you get within field goal range, or if you do not need a field goal, you get to the goal line. The area where the opponent starts using his penetrating goal line defense. So those are areas he's pointing out that maybe it's not in your best interest to call plays that are going down the field. Number six, if the defensive linemen are tired, run wide and throw. I think that's a great way to start a game. Getting those defensive linemen moving, tiring them out early, that's really going to pay off dividends in the fourth quarter. Seven, your receivers may have an advantage when the footing is bad. Your running backs may be at a disadvantage. That's kind of going away from this game as more and more teams use turf, but certainly you see a lot of games that are still on grass where those do have an effect on the game. Number eight, if the defense seems to be temporarily disorganized, keep it that way. Do not get too conservative. Do not call too many of the plays where the ball is easy to find and pursue. So whatever it might be, maybe you're using misdirection and they're confused. Stick with those misdirection type of plays. Maybe it's tempo that's causing them problems. Keep the pressure on with tempo. But an important point there on attacking the defense. If they're disorganized, keep them disorganized. Number nine, if a team is stunting on first down in an attempt to get you into a second and long yarded situation, run option plays or throw on first down. Movement's always hard to handle for an offensive line, especially early in the game as they're adjusting to the speed of the game. They're going to see it during the week. They're going to see it from the scout team. But certainly on game day, there's that adjustment period to your opponent. So maybe early in the game, if stunting is causing a problem, run stunts especially, you know, look at the passing game or, as he said, look at running option plays. That could be for the modern offense, the run-pass option as well. Ten, when you have a first down in the four-down zone, the zone between where you would punt on fourth and where you would kick a field goal, call a running play that does not risk loss of yardage. Simple there, right? Stay in that four-down territory. 11. If you have a first down between their 12 and 8-yard lines, do not get too conservative. You are a long way from the goal line, and inside yardage is tough to get. 
when I look at planning for those areas of the field, I certainly keep in mind our best runs, but I'm also looking at some of those plays that with the throw can get us the distance or with a throw and run after catch get us into the end zone. So definitely some advantages in looking at things that way. 12, when you are ahead of the defense, for example, first and five, second and three, run the ball. Waste downs do not exist in the sense that they used to because stunting defenses have too good of a chance of stopping a T formation play for a no gain. If you have a second down and one yard to go in three down territory or a third down and one yard to go in four down territory, call a play which, if successful, will get you a good chunk of yardage, but which, if unsuccessful, will not lose yardage for you. I think in looking at those situations, having a play that is a shot play or a play that can create that explosive but yet limits the risk of losing yardage so you can get back and get the yardage with a run is a great strategy. I like this next one a lot. 13. Momentum is a factor in passing just as it is in running. It's better to hit two 7-yard passes than it is to hit a 14-yarder and then miss one. I think the idea is keeping that offense in rhythm, giving them plays that continue to build confidence and move the chain. 14. Do not repeat successful inside plays. Come back to them in three or four plays, but do not repeat them. It is generally not a good idea to repeat any plays unless it is from a bizarre formation. I think that's true, but again, I think with tempo, you have the ability to do some of those things if you get them into a look. How many times you do it, though, that's the key. And, and I mentioned before, having some procedures that very quickly allow you to get into a look, uh, use a look-alike play, or something at that fast tempo that makes them think, ah, oh, here they come again with that same play. 15. Take advantage of the first and five and second and four situations to call runs that need testing. He hinted at that before. 16. Counterplays are not difficult to call. Just learn to recognize when you need them to keep the defense from pressuring your primary plays. Learn to feel when the defense is mentally cocked to stop something and is vulnerable to counteraction. Great advice there. Number 17, do not throw when it is second and three in three in the three down zone. In these situations where you are ahead of the defense, do not risk lost yardage. 18, if you need seven, and have two downs left, think of getting part of it with one play and the rest of it with another. If you need eight yards or more, however, try to get all of it with each play. When you get to the point where you need 15 yards or more and you have two downs left, try to get a chunk of it with the first play and the rest of it with the second. This came up in our podcast the other day. I'll link the playlist to all of our podcasts from the OC Office Hour. But in this particular example, we were talking about Michael Lombardi and how he mentioned that sometimes on second down you go for it. So I think that's where the distinction comes. Coach makes it right there that if it's third or second and eight, it's a go for it all on that down, but on a seven to try to get half of it. Some good advice on this next one about calling plays where you're throwing it deep. Keep in mind the signal calling situation where you can throw deep and still get your first down. A, on first down when you intend to throw on all three downs. B, on first down in four down territory. And C, 
on second down when you desperately need a deep pass to loosen them up. So some ideas there for when to throw explosive plays. Number 20, the most difficult signal calling situation is where you have just one chance to make three or four yards. Those play with options in them seem to be the most consistent in these situations. You are not greatly concerned with lost yardage if you will punt on fourth down. Good time for an RPO maybe. Uh, good time for uh, an intermediate pass that has a few options there, etc. 21, learn to distinguish between the short yard situation where you cannot afford to lose a yard and where losing a few yards really does not make any difference. If you are going to have to punt on fourth down, you do not care whether it is fourth and two or fourth and five. However, if you have a third and goal on the two-yard line, you would not like to have a fourth and five situation unless you're going to kick a field goal. 22, when you are in deep trouble and there is little chance of getting a first down, consider the following. Get 10 yards and add that much to your punt. Throw a long one to your best receiver, figuring that an interception will be within 10 yards of being as good as a punt. It's one of those things, take a chance. Maybe your best ball player gets the, gets a 50-50 ball. If it's intercepted, hopefully you have some guys around there rallying to make that tackle so that it is essentially the effect of a punt. Hit your best runner with a short pass and give him a chance to make it on his own. So take that tail back, put him out in space. Once he has that ball again, he's that runner. He can do some things with the ball. 23, screen passes and draws are best when used in passing situations, but they are effective for neither counter nor yardage purposes if they are used too often. I think that's the art of calling a screen or a draw. When do you use it? Sometimes it's not that obvious situations. How many times on your own sideline do you hear guys yelling to your defense, watch the screen, watch the draw? Finding where you can mix those in, I think, is very effective. 24, when you are within field goal range and you need three points, do not get the ball intercepted. Protect your right to kick a field goal. Do not lose the ball on first, second, or third downs. Protect the ball, get the points. 25, here's an example of how you might change your signal calling approach during a game. I am wasting too many plays trying to run into a tough defense. I'll go outside and throw for a while and change up with inside runs. So it goes away maybe from your normal thinking where you're trying to set everything off of those inside runs. It almost goes to that air raid approach of where we're going to pass to set up the run. But the idea here is to get ahead of the defense. Don't let them dictate to you. You dictate to them. So 25 tips there from Coach Homer Smith. I think some great ones. Uh, Again, there's things we talked about in other podcasts, which I'll link there. There's other podcasts where we talked about coach homer smith and some of his ideas i'll link those as well we'll have some guests here to wind down the season of the oc office hour as we head into the off season here in the next few weeks but continue listening to the coach and coordinator podcast we really appreciate it we just hit 10 million last night and really that's because of our great guests and our loyal listeners we really appreciate you and thank you for taking the time to listen and hopefully make yourself better as a coach. Follow all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.